Well, I'm going to talk about something this morning that every person in this room deals with, whether you are a believer in Jesus or not, whether you know, you're still thinking about this Jesus thing, you're not sure about that, maybe somebody invited you and you're just saying, yeah, I'll come check things out. You might not even believe in Jesus yet, but everybody in this room deals with this. And it's this idea of how do you know how to really help people, especially when you may be able to look at their life and you see some things going on in your, their life and you know that it's not good for them. They're, in, they're, behave, they're doing things behavior-wise that you know is not good for them. Maybe it's their attitude. Maybe it's just obvious things. When you can look at their life and you can say, man, that is that's not good for them. That's going to be harmful for them. And then you step back and you say, but what, what do I say? Do I say anything? Is it any of my business? Do I just let it go? Do I pretend I don't see it? If I do say something, am I going to pretend to condone the behavior or whatever it is? You know, I think we kind of just get in this quandary a lot of times of saying, you know, where is it, when is it, how is it my place to be able to say something to somebody that to me seems so obvious that something's going wrong? You ever been there? I think we all have. So the Bible has a good answer for this. And so today you're going to learn how to do that. What's my role? How do I do that? Now there's a scripture. If you'll uh, turn your Bibles, we'll get to it in just a minute. And it's in Matthew chapter 7. We're going to look at verses 1 through 7. Speaking of Bibles, let me say this. We always put the scripture up on the screen. But we want you to bring your own Bible. So I hope that you do. Maybe you've got it on the phone or you've got an iPad or some other kind of uh, electronic device and you can uh, pull up your your bible on that uh so so bring the bible and also speaking of bibles back on that back table in the atrium i mentioned this a couple of weeks ago we have a little a little bible it's the new testament it's called find it here and it's a really good resource it's got like topical things if you're going through this look at this scripture if you're thinking about this so uh several of you did last time i mentioned it but when you go when you go out today on that table there's they're on the table grab some grab one for yourself Grab a handful, five or six, and take them to give them to people you work with, family members. They're free, and uh, it's a good resource. So you got your Bible, you turn to the book of Matthew. If you're not familiar, we have we kind of do the, the Bible. Well, we don't. Actually, the Bible is in two parts that we call Old Testament and New Testament. And Matthew is that first book that we call the Gospels, the Good News. Um, and so if you turn to Matthew chapter 7, and uh, look at me with uh, these first a uh, few verses. Actually, we're going to read through verse 6. And it says this, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye. You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you 
to pieces. Now, those are some pretty interesting uh, words, aren't they there? And so this whole idea, and we say this a lot in our society, I hear this all the time, I hear it on the news, and I hear it amongst other people, and, and we say, you know, you're not supposed to judge, you shouldn't judge, don't judge. Well, guess what? That's kind of right there in the Bible, isn't it? It says, do not judge or you will be judged. So this morning, here, here's the thing that I, think I want you to kind of look at. In this passage, at least in my mind, I don't know if this is the way it's broken down and the scholars break it down, but this is to help me understand it. I view these, these six verses kind of as a sandwich, all right? Pick your favorite sandwich, you know? I like a lot of different kinds of sandwiches. Does anybody mix peanut butter and bananas together with a little mayonnaise and some sugar? <laughs> I had you until I said mayonnaise, didn't I? I knew that. Try it. If you haven't tried it, mayonnaise, peanut butter, anything with peanut butter on it is good. Right, Cliff? How can you go wrong with peanut butter? Mayonnaise, peanut butter, banana, stir it all up together, put it between two pieces of bread. That's a good sandwich, all right? Um, so in this scripture, I kind of view this as a sandwich. We kind of have the, the, a piece of bread that's the first section the last part, the last verse is kind of the bottom piece of bread. And then right in the middle there is, is jammed in between the meat and the goody that kind of helps explain, I think, the whole deal. But let me, let me deal with this first in case you're wondering or you don't know or maybe it's not clear in your mind. The Bible says there, do not judge or you will be judged. And that, that word, the word judged, it basically means this, to distinguish or to decide. That's literally what it means. So to judge something is to make a distinguish uh, in something of it or to make a decision regarding whatever it is that you're dealing with. Now, it makes a whole lot of sense, uh, you know, in our world. We, we know this in other ways, right? If there's a contest, any kind of contest, and people are competing to be the winner for this contest, there's somebody or a, a group of people who decide the winner, and we call that person or these people the, the judge, right? They're judges of the contest, or, you know, judges of the sandwich contest, and the peanut butter banana mayonnaise is going to win, right? They're judges of the contest, and we may have uh, different things. So we, we understand that, right? We understand that in sports, there are a lot of different things, especially I think of in tennis, there's a person who, when the ball is played, when the ball is hit in tennis, and it is a discrepancy and lands close to somewhere that the line is, there's a person who makes a decision as to whether or not that ball is considered to be in or out, and we call that person the line judge, right? Okay, so basically what that means is, judge means that you're, you're making... Um, uh, distinguishing between something or to judge is to make a decision about something. So you're viewing something and you make the decision about that. So, so the scripture here is talking about uh, not judging other, others. Basically, when we look at other people, for us to put ourselves in the position of judge, what we do is we put ourselves in the place to where we say that we can make a decision about whatever it is that's going on in their life. Or we can, make, we can distinguish whatever it is that's going on in their life. And that puts our, we put ourselves in that place as a judge. So, uh, so the Scripture says this. Now, if you do that, the Bible says, if you're the one that's putting yourself in the place to where you want to make decisions about other people's lives, guess what? It's going to happen to you. You're going to be judged. Someone else is going to... Uh, be wanting to make the decision 
for your life and be the judge of your life. And it says, for whatever measure that you do, that, you know, however intensely you do it or in whatever manner that you are making decisions about the lives of other people, that is going to come back to you as well. The same measure, it says, is coming back to you. So, in a sense, it's that whole biblical concept of you, um, you reap what you sow. We've heard that, right? You know, and it's an agricultural term that most of us don't even hardly understand anymore. But the idea of it, you're going you're gonna to sow something in the ground, you're going to plant something, you are going to get what that is that you plant. You're not going to plant carrots, and then somehow or another, it's going to turn into cabbage, right? You're going you're gonna to reap what you sow. And so that first piece of bread on the sandwich, that top layer of that, is that, um, that if you are putting yourself in the position where you're going to make decisions for people, then you are also going to be put in that position, and it's going to be magnified and measured back to you in the same way, with attitude, same measure that you're doing it with others, it's going to be uh, applied back to you. So the thing about it is, really, in our human makeup, in the way that we're designed, in the way that we're made, we're not made to even be capable to really do that. It's not within us. It's not our makeup. It, that's, that's something that, that belongs to God. Now, this scripture is, is not on the screen, but you can jot it down. It's 1 Corinthians 4.4. 4, and it says this. My, this is Paul speaking. Paul uh, wrote the words here in, in this book. And he says, My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. So it's kind of this contrast of uh, really when we put ourselves in the place as to we want to be the person to make a decision about somebody else's life, especially when it concerns things of a spiritual nature, basically what we are doing is telling God that we'll take over and we can handle this. You know, God, I I'm going to assume your role in my human body, and now I'm going to become the one who is making decisions about people, especially decisions of a spiritual nature. So that's, that, that's kind of that top piece of bread. And then the bottom piece of this sandwich is, is really weird. I mean, he says, he talks about being, don't judge, and then he gives some other stuff in the middle that we're going to get back to in just a minute. And then at the bottom, he throws in this stuff about dogs and pigs. Said, good night. Now remember, this is this is Jesus talking. This is Jesus giving these words to these people, this group of his people that he's gathered around, and he, he's teaching them this stuff. And so he talks about the dogs and the pig, and 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 tells them about you know you don't you don't give sacred things uh, to the dogs, and you don't toss your pearls in front of the pigs. They're just going to make a mess of things, and it, things are not going to be handled right. In 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 biblical time, and even in today's time, in some people's minds, you know. Pigs are considered unholy, nasty. Pigs are nasty, but I love bacon. <laughs> Just a confession, right? <laughs> Peanut butter on anything is awesome. If you, if you don't take anything and put bacon with it, man, you've got a meal, right? But in and, and the, and the, the biblical days especially, pigs, unholy, they were nasty. Dogs were were considered unholy, they were considered nasty. It was just, you know, they weren't high on the scale of things. Uh, I don't think, I didn't live back in the Bible times, obviously, but, you know, we, we, we're to the far extreme of that. My goodness, we've got a dog, if he wants to, will jump up and sleep in my bed for a period of time. Right? I mean, he's on the human level. He thinks he's a human. 
And you, you guys have pets like that. So when he talks about not throwing, uh, not trusting dogs with things that are sacred, if you've got this little lovely pet that you call whatever, a human name, and it's all the time, and it's so lovely, and give me kisses, kisses, that's not the concept of a dog, okay? This is, this is more the concept of when you, you get really angry with somebody and you say, you dog. <laughs> you know, that's more the concept. I know you never say that, but you've heard people say that, right? So that's the concept. So he's saying, um, you know, you don't trust things that are important. You don't trust things of a holy nature. You don't trust those things to things that are unholy and to things that are dirty and nasty because it just it, they won't be received. It won't be very beneficial to who's going on. So, so basically, um, you know, you don't deal with things of a spiritual nature lightly. We don't take those things lightly. Things of a spiritual nature are, are not such that we could just say, oh, you know, we'll just throw that to the dogs. They'll take care of that. That's kind of the concept. It's, it's a serious thing he's trying to get across here. This is big, this is big stuff, and so we don't take that lightly. So, so here is one, one of the things with this passage, the idea. If you decide to help your brother, you do it in a way that it will be beneficial and it will be helpful. If your motive is to help someone, you want to help them in such a way that when you're done helping them, that it's going to be beneficial to them, it's going to be helpful, and hopefully it's going to be received in the right way. Not just shallantly throwing stuff of importance out to things that are unholy. So does that make sense? So that's kind of, the, uh, kind of the, the idea here. And here's something I think that's important. Listen. If you find yourself in the place to where you're viewing things in people's lives and you're always seeing things that are going on wrong and you're always maybe making comments to them and you want to make statements to them. Think about this. If we're going to, to be beneficial with people and to be helpful for them, usually I found in my own life when that happens, if, if, if I'm going to help someone and it's going to be beneficial and it's going to be helpful to them and not come across as being in a negative way judgmental to them, usually that person requests my help. That person will usually come to me and say, I'm having a problem with something in my life. Can you help me with this? Or I need somebody to talk to about that. When that happens, usually then you can say something in such a way to address the need that they've identified, and it can be very beneficial and very helpful to them. In fact, I think as I look through the Scripture and think about uh, in the life of Jesus especially, the majority of the people that I can think of that Jesus helped, they came to Him and they asked Him to help them. Now, of all people who was capable of passing judgment on people, of all people who was capable of helping people in the most pure way that you could possibly think of, it would be Jesus, right? But he did not go around and just start picking out people who had problems and saying, hey, come here, I need to fix you. I've noticed you have a problem in your life. Let me help you deal with that. The majority of the time that Jesus did miracles and he did healings and he helped people, it was because people had come to him and they had asked him for help and then he did something with them. The majority of the time 
it happened that way. So, you know, why should we be any different, right? So when you're thinking about, when we're thinking about helping people, when we're thinking about especially, it's a really touchy thing of maybe I see something in the life of somebody else that I know is not good. What do I do? What do how do I help them or whatever? Hopefully the, the concern is that we have a relationship in such a way as that, that they would ask us and then we can really, really be helpful and truly be helpful to them. So one last thing with this bottom piece of bread of the sandwich, okay? Here's the thing about judging. If you desire to be the one who's the judge, if you desire to be the judge, your motives are probably wrong. If you really enjoy being able to say, oh, I can, that person's, they're, they're just not living right, and I'm, I'm just going to go, I'm going to go tell them. If you're looking for opportunities to tell people that they're not living right, if you enjoy that, that's something that you seek out nine times, at 9.9 times, I guess I should say, out of 10, your motives are probably wrong. Your motives are really not to help that person your motives are to be able to expose or let that person know you're not getting away with this because everybody can see what you're doing and you want to in the bad way not only make a decision but you want to decide the penalty that goes along with the judgment right so be careful i just as a warning and especially i think through this whole passage if you find yourself constantly looking at the faults of others and you you're the one who wants to tell them how to live and all this kind of stuff you need to be careful because chances are your motives are wrong, okay? So that's, the, that's kind of the, the top piece and the bottom piece. Then sandwich, right in between that is kind of the meat of this sandwich that I think really pulls it all together and makes it, makes it uh, uh, more sensible, at least in my mind. So look at verses 3 through 5 again. And he says this, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see, say that next word with me, clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So, so this, is, this is the meat that's right in there. And so I've come up with a little uh, silly something that rhymes. And maybe you can remember this. And so when you hear Matthew 7, 1 through 6. And you can say, yeah, that's about judging and all that kind of stuff. This phrase I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you. If you can hold on to it. Maybe it will help you kind of summarize this. And you'll be able to come back to this and say, okay, that makes sense. I understand what this passage means. So, so here's, here's a little phrase that I, that I put together. Maybe you can remember it when it comes to this whole passage. If you desire to help your brothers... Pay attention to your own life more than you do the lives of others. Does that make sense? Say that with me. If you desire to help your brothers, pay attention to your life more than you do to the life of others. All right, you got that one more time. You were a little mumbly on that. I'm not sure if you're with it. Say it out loud. If you desire to help your... Pay attention to your life more than you do to the lives of others. If you can hold on to that, if you can grab that, that one little statement there and help some, summarize that up to make sense of what Jesus, I think, was trying to, um, to get across to us and make sense of that. Because here's the thing that I know. And I know you know this too. I can see your faults a whole lot easier than I can see my own. Right? Isn't it easy 
to look at somebody else and be able to tell what their problem is. Right? Oh, well, if they would just, you know, all they need to do is blah, blah, blah. If those were my kids. Yeah. Those are my kids. And, and I think Cliff has said this before, but just let me, by the way, if you don't have kids, don't say if those were my kids. Because you don't have a clue, okay? <laughs> you think you do and you're, you mean well, you don't even know what it, what it means, all right? But isn't it easier for us to see the faults of others? Can't you walk around and you can look and somebody's having a problem and there's a problem between husband and wife and one of you say, well, I can tell you right now, if I was married to him, I'd be that way too. Or you can say, well, if she was my wife, boy, no wonder he's acting like he is, right? It's easy. We, we spot things. People say things and we start going through our mind about, well, I know what their problem is. You know, if they would just... And it's so easy. It's so simple. We can always fix everybody else so quickly, can't we? If they would just... It's usually just a one thing. If they just do this, you know, their life would be a whole lot better. I know in my life, it's so much easier to see the faults of others. Here's an example. Something that happened to me recently, and, and so I laugh about it. It's something simple, but maybe it's happened to you too. I'm gonna, there, there's a name I'm going to put up here on the screen. First name is Patrick, Okay. Now, this Patrick guy, he, um, he does conferences and leadership stuff and writes books, and I like, I like his stuff. It's good stuff. And so this is his name. His first name is Patrick. For years and years and years and years, what's his, uh, it, it, if you know where I'm getting at, don't, don't steal my thunder, but the rest of you, pronounce that last name for me. Yes, of course, Lencioni, Patrick Lencioni. He's a great leadership guy. And so for years, you know, I'm reading his stuff, and I've heard him speak at conferences, and I'm telling people, man, you need to read that book. Patrick Lencioni, he's written that book, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. It's an awesome book with teamwork. He's got a book out called The Advantage. There's another one that he's written uh, by Patrick Lencioni. It's called Get, Get Naked. And I'm not going to tell you what that's about, but if you want to go, just go check it out. It's a good book, and that's the title of it, Getting Naked. I thought, man, this has got to be awesome here. <laughs> this has got to be some. This has got to be some good stuff. This has surely got to be good. Go check it out. That's the title of his, of his book. He's written other things, and he's 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 uh, spoke at conferences. There was a conference that we were at one time, and he was a speaker. And I think Cliff, I think we were at that conference together. I'm not sure, but there was another guy who was introducing Patrick Lencioni. And this guy was well-known. He was a well-known speaker and written books and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, he did the big intro of who he was and everybody. And at the very end, as they always do, ladies and gentlemen, welcome with me, Mr. Patrick Lincioni. And I said to the person, I think it was Cliff, I said, oh, yeah, he's his really good friend. He don't even know how to pronounce his name. You know, ha, 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 idiot. I know it's Patrick Lincioni. Good grief. Well, a couple months ago, I was listening to something that Patrick Lencioni was teaching, and it was like an excerpt of a speech that he had done, and it started at the beginning, and he came out and introduced himself, and he said, Hello, everybody. My name is Patrick Lencioni. And, <laughs> and I said, You idiot. He don't even know how to pronounce his own name. It's, <laughs> it's Patrick Lencioni. Right? But here's the funny thing, obviously. The whole time, I knew I was right. Good grief, look at how it's spelled. I'm pretty good with words and how to pronounce stuff. It's Patrick Lencioni, and I knew that. And in, in my arrogance of knowing I was right or whatever, it's so easy for me to point out everybody else who was pronouncing his name wrong when all along I was the one who was pronouncing it wrong. And that's hilarious, isn't it? And that happens to us 
time and time and time again. And sometimes it's with something as simple as mispronouncing a person's name. At other times, it's as complicated and as important as making a decision about the life of somebody when we think that we've got it all right. Turns out we don't have a clue. So that's what Jesus is talking about here in this passage. And just, again, this idea of, of what we're talking about. Look at verses, uh, verses 4 and 5 again say this. And here's the key to this. Verses 4 and 5 say, How can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly... Uh, to remove the speck from your brother's eye. That is the, the key to that. And the idea is this. First, take a look at your own life. Before you go making a decision about somebody else, before you think you know it all, before you think that you're better than everybody else, before you think you've got your life together and everybody else are peons and they don't have their life together, the whole gist of this is before that ever happens, first, take a check of your own life and remove what you have in your own vision so that you'll be able to see clearly. So again, here's this statement to kind of put this together. If you desire to help your brothers, pay attention to your own life more than you do the lives of others. If you are anxious to be able to tell people what's going wrong in their life, before, before you try to do that, look at your own self. And the motive is you want to do that in such a way that you're helpful to them. And notice in this, in this verse, as opposed to at the very top, it's really not a contradiction of each other, but this one, this verse does not say, first remove the plank from your eye and then don't worry about ever trying to say anything about anybody else. It says... First, remove that plank, and then you can be effective at helping your brother. Once your vision is cleared up and you can see well enough, then you have the ability to do some good to your brother who might have a problem and you might be able to help. But you're going to do it with clear vision so that you don't harm that person instead of hurting them. So that's the motive behind that. Now... It's kind of ironic, but I thought, shoot, I'm not going to waste this opportunity. Some of you know, originally I had a problem with my eye. I had my retina detached in the topper up, not the whole thing, but just the topper, right, top topper, the top right-hand corner of my eye detached. All right, if anybody, if you ever had that, you, you kind of know what that's like. But I had, I had kind of a, almost a half moon of a shadow look like right here on my nose it was just a shadow a dark spot and there were all kinds of goofy things floating around in there and all that kind of stuff and it was hard to see and it was just all kind of just distorted all right and so i i, I understand this idea when he, when he talks about if you will remove the plank from your own eye then you can see clearly who wants to make a judgment based on poor vision who wants to make a decision based on poor vision? When all that happened with me, the, the doctor told me uh, that there were things that I should do and should not do for a while. Now, now, I probably could have done it, but I didn't. But during that time when all that stuff was going on or whatever, and I'd gone to the doctor, and they had, they had done a procedure to fix that. I had a patch on my eye, and there was some other stuff going on. I could have gotten in the car and I could have driven anywhere that I wanted to. He did not tell me, do not drive 
And I could have done that. But if I would have chosen to do some things like that, not only would that have been possibly harmful to me, but because of my judgment, lack of judgment and perception with my vision, it was going to be harmful to other people as well. Right? Now, on the other end of it, guess what? You know, now he says, okay, hey, we're going to stick a needle in your eye, and this is going to be awesome. And we're going to come back and stick another needle in your eye, and we're going to do this procedure. Now, this is my eyeball we're talking about, right? And the doctor is going to come in there, and he is going to do something, and is going to be sticking things in my eye to correct the problem. Do you think I want Mr. Magoo coming in to operate on my eye? Some of you don't even know who Mr. Magoo is. Look him up, and then you'll laugh when you get home, right? When... When the doctor is going to operate on my eye and be sticking things in my eye, do I want a doctor who has clear vision or do I want a doctor who has things that are messed up and he really can't see any better than me? Right? I want a doctor who can see clearly. If he had come in stumbling all over the furniture and had glasses thick as bottle caps and couldn't hardly see and was asking the nurses where the utensils were, I'm going to get up off the table, right? I want somebody who can look in. And not only could the doctor that dealt with it, not only was his physical vision clear, but he had magnifiers and other things to place over my eye so that he could specifically, very clearly see exactly where he needed to go and where he did not need to go. This is what Jesus is saying, I believe, about the lives of other people. Hey, if you want to be so quick to try and do stuff to other people, you want to, you want to swat at that little, you notice they got a speck of sawdust in their eye, and all of a sudden you want to remove that? Hey, before you go jumping in there taking stuff out, why don't you clear your own vision up and get that big plank out of your eye? Because if you don't, what you think you might be doing to help someone, you could cause damage to them. Because your vision is not clear. And then I think about this. This is for, this is, this statement right here is for those of us who have been in church and know this phrase. So if you're not there yet, that's probably good that you don't know this phrase. But, you know, there is a verse in the Bible about speaking the truth in love. Right? I wonder how many times people speaking the truth in love have reached in to swat the speck out of somebody's eye and because of the plank in their own eye and their vision being unclear, they have caused major damage to the life of that person. You know people. You know people, friends, family members who probably do not come to church today because they will tell you about this experience they had with somebody who was telling them about how their life was wrong and what they needed to fix. It is important that we grasp the seriousness of what it means to make a decision for somebody else's life. And it's not that we turn our heads and look the other way and we pretend like, oh, everything's okay and people can do whatever they want to and, and that's their life and they'll have to do what they want to and that there is truth to that. But there are times when I believe God uses us as human beings to help other human beings. But God forbid that we look for that opportunity and that we do it in such a way as that we don't consider the, the plank in our own eye first 
so that when we have that opportunity, we can be able to help them like laser focus and go in and help them to be able to remove that stumbling block in their own life and that we don't damage them because we see poorly. Jesus, I think, was very serious about this. It's, it's a very uh, powerful thing for us to be able to be put in that kind of position. So think about this. You know, my, my vision, your vision, physically, with, your, with our eyes, that it, that's a physical thing. And it's important. Some, I've talked to some of you since I've had some, some of these issues. And uh, by the way, things are, are really good now. So I'm, I can't see you. So, you know, we're, we're good. But some of you said, yeah, I've had some problems with my eyes and different kinds of things. So when, when your eyes are not clear and when your vision is not right, it, it just made my whole body feel different. I mean, they did a procedure to my eye. And, and I laid around I laid around for a couple of days just tired and wore out. And I didn't do anything but lay there and let them stick needles in my eyes. You know, I wasn't physically exhausted. But because my vision was, was messed up, it, physically it, it was, you know, it's a, serious, it's a serious thing. But think about this. If that's serious, how much more important is the, the idea of dealing with spiritual things in the lives of people? My vision is just temporary. The things that we deal with of a spiritual nature with other people, those things last forever. So how much more important is that? How much more important is it that we pay attention to our own lives so that when the opportunity comes that we can help somebody else, we can do that precisely and clearly and not cause damage in the effort to try and help them. So again, here's the phrase. If you desire to help your brothers, pay attention to your own life more than you do to the lives of others. If you're thinking you really want to be a help to people, if you're thinking, I really do want to serve people, if you're thinking, I really would like to be a part, I see that person, my heart aches for them, I wish I could help them, you pray that, that the plank in your own eye, whatever that might represent, that God would help you deal with that so that if He brings that opportunity to you, you are prepared and ready to serve them and to help them and not hurt them. And the contrast is so ironic because he's talking about there's this little speck of dust and then he magnifies it to the whole other extreme, I believe, just to make the point. You're looking at a speck and you've got this big log sticking out of your eye, you know. So he just magnifies that to make the difference. But to know that there might be something in my own life, and if I really want to help them, I need to pay attention to my own life more than I do to the lives of others. That's a win-win situation. When I do that, it's good for my own life. And when I do that, it's good that if I have the opportunity to help somebody else, it's going to be done in the right way. So just think about this. And, I, I you know, obviously, every time I preach, and uh, I preach to myself, <laughs> how much different would my life look if I focused as much on the things going on in my own life and letting God deal with those than for me to be noticing all the faults that everybody else has? How much different would my life look? How much more helpful could I really be when the time comes to do that? And if I was just really focused and concerned about removing that plank out of my own eye, how much different would it be? How much different would it be? What if everybody who said they were a believer. If you're, not a, if you're not a believer in Jesus, you know, 
if you don't do this, you're, how, could you, how could you be concerned about this? Is, these are things that, that, that Jesus is saying that when, if you believe in him, you're helping your brother. If you're not there yet, it's probably not something that's conscious on your mind. And, and, and here's the thing, guys. Jesus is talking to this, and I think it's really geared more toward Christians with other Christians and believers with other believers. And I think we get it backwards. We get oftentimes, we, as, as believers, we look at people who are not believers, and they're living a lifestyle that shows that they probably don't believe in Jesus because of all the different things that are going on that, that are contrary to the way that God would have us to live. And we sometimes get angry at them. And then you go swatting at the speck in their eye and you cause all this damage. You know, if, if you're living that way, it's not good for you, but good grief. You're, probably, you're expected to live that way. How would you live differently if you don't know Jesus? If we want to be passionate about what's going on in people's lives and it's harming them, we should look at it with Christian against Christian and have a concern and a love of wanting to help each other. So what if all of, what, how would it look if all of us, everybody who was a believer, what would that look like if we all focused on the plank in our own eye so that when the time come, we could really be helpful to other people and not have a chance of harming them because our, our vision is blurred? Wouldn't that be awesome? So, so here's just an just a action step for you today. It's very simple. I would just ask you this. You may already know it. You may have already been thinking about it. You may have already jotted something down. You've already had a couple of ideas already. But what is the plank in your eye? In other words, what are the things that you, that you struggle with? What are the areas in your life that you know aren't right? Where are the areas where you know you could use some improvement, where you're not living a way that pleases God in that area in your life? What, what, is, what are those things in your life? And it's not to say shame on you, you're a bad person. We all have them. But what are they, and are you choosing to deal with them? Would you let God just deal with those things? Because, listen, that scripture we saw in Corinthians 4.4 about Paul saying, it's the Lord who judges me. It's the Lord who judges us. And if I want anybody reaching into my life and helping me deal with things, I want it to be Jesus who can do it very precisely in such a way that it's helpful to me that it doesn't cause damage. So what are those things that you might need to deal with? And then I'll throw on the other end of that, and you may say, hey, I'm with you. I've been there. I've been doing that. And my life's not perfect, but I am dealing with that stuff. And maybe you're dealing with somebody right now who's come to you and asked you for help. And they've opened that door for you to be able to help them. Make sure that you're seeing clearly and that you can help them in the way that's most beneficial to them. God, I think, will honor that. God will reward that. So as you think about making a decision in other people's lives, just the same old statement that I threw out several times. If, you're, if your true desire is to help your brother, not your desire to point out people's faults, not your desire to notice the problems that every ha everybody has, not your desire to go gossip about all the stuff that you see going on. That's a whole different world there. If your desire really is to help your brothers, pay attention to your life more than you do to the life of others. Pray with me. God, thank you that you judge us. You make the decision. You make the right decision. You make the right decision every single time. And I thank you for that. And I thank you, Lord, that even as human beings who are sinful, we're not perfect, we have problems, 
you still choose to use us to help other people. And I thank you for that. I thank you for the people who have been in my life who have helped me. I thank you for the opportunities that I've had to help other people. And Lord, so we just pray this morning that you help us to grasp the seriousness of our own lives and dealing with those things so that when the opportunity comes, we can be set up and prepared to make the most positive, beneficial impact in the lives of other people. We know you can do it. You've done it in us. You can do it through us. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.